I would like to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this land and acknowledge leaders and elders past, present and future. Thank you. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. I'm your host, Gail Wilson, and together we will go through a series of storytelling, conversations and strategies about leaning into life's lessons, the good, the bad and the downright painful, as we journey back to ourselves and back to our intuition. Through the lens of witness and reflection, we will work our way through a series of raw, stripped-back, relatable topics and personal experiences. There will be laughter, tears and the occasional swear word because, hey, life is too short to hold back. So come along with me on this journey and let's talk life. You can follow and subscribe to Soul Care Bendigo's Naked to get notifications for upcoming episodes as they land in your space. So lend me your ears and your heart as we go through this journey together. Hello, hello, Soulies, and welcome to another episode of Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. Today, I really want to chat with you through some challenges that we've been going through in our house. And I feel like there's no other way out of expressing it by starting with a song. It is the song that never ends and it goes on and on, my friend. Fighting in your home. God, it's shit, isn't it? It's so awful. And it shouldn't surprise me when it pops up because I'm fully aware that all five of us live in this house and very rarely are we in the same mood. In fact, Probably the only time we're all in the same mood is when we're all getting served chocolate because, well, that makes everyone feel better if you're able to eat it. But then on a day-to-day basis, there are so many factors that contribute to our moods, isn't there? There's sleep. Sleep's probably the biggest. There's our water intake. There's our food. And all of that drastically, drastically changes our resilience and our patience and our anger management and all of these big emotions that are coming up. And then, then folks, you go in and you add sibling rivalry or expectation or accountability or peer pressure from school or online crap. It just goes on and on, just like the song says. And I've been reflecting today after another big blow up with one of our kids and how shit I feel afterwards and how I ask myself if I can do it better next time. I suppose that's a good thing. That's a good thing that I am reflecting on it. It's a good thing that I'm happy to go deep and assess if I did everything well or, you know, it could be easy just to blame them, blame them for their messy room, blame them for not bringing the dishes out, blame them for slamming the door. But I've got to look beyond those moments and those reactions and go deeper to reflect on what caused the outburst or where did that come from. And I can tell you now that I am a fighter. I am a fire person in terms of my temper, but I also am a Pisces, so I've got a lot of water in my body as well, which is probably where I can do the reflection. Water is reflective, and thankfully, (laughs) I'm not all fire because, wow, that would be pretty toxic for our house. But what it does mean is that I have a really good ability to fight I have a really strong moral compass on wanting to defend tribe and also wanting to stick up for someone who's being, in my opinion, picked on or isolated or anything like that. So I will call things out. I have no problem with calling out bad behavior. 
even if it's coming from my husband, even if it's coming from my kids or even if it's coming from someone I love dearly, I will happily just say that shit doesn't fly here. It's not happening. Mm-mm, not on my watch. But it took me a long time to realize how to do that well because I used to just get all up in someone's face and go gangster and I didn't mind a fight. Like I was happy to have a verbal go toe-to-toe with someone. It didn't intimidate me. It didn't scare me. I think it's because in my righteousness, I felt like what I defended was more important than what they had to say anyway. Again, reflecting on why fighting even occurs and why people don't get along or why we don't see eye to eye um, has let me get better at just walking away. But some people can't be um, rationalized or they can't see your point of view. And, and that helped me to figure out that when fights go down, when to step back. So now when I go into a fight, if I feel like there's something that needs defending, whether it's the morals or our expectations of fairness in the house or just decency and respect, I'm now looking at the fight as the projection of what's really going on for that person. Now, in some generations, they might see that as giving in. They might see that you let them get away with that. That's shit behavior. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. And I agree, I can see the value in it, but I'd far prefer to not let the fight get so bad and come back instead to a conversation when the fuses burn out. Because we know a fight is temporary. It's in the moment. And I can see when the fight's occurring, how it's sitting in the body and where the tension is. And sometimes all it takes for me to relax and then I notice the person in front of me relax. And what do I mean by that? So if I was going into a field and I saw a snake in the grass, if the snake stood up, would I keep walking towards it, knowing that I was going to potentially get bitten, knowing that this snake is going to do whatever it needs to do to defend itself? No. So when we have a fight with our kids, why do we push forward with our bodies for someone who's already feeling under attack? Where is the malice in that? Like, what is that all for? What is the purpose of that? What do I feel that I need to control in this situation or this small person in front of me? And I could be indignant. I could say, I'm the boss. I'm the adult. What I say goes. And there is an element that as a leader in the household, there is some truth to that. And I could do the opposite where I take everything away that they love to punish them for their behavior. But when we start to assess the feeling behind the behavior, it creates a level of compassion and you get to see beyond what's getting said. Now, do I do this right every time? No, no, I do not. The unfortunate thing for me, which has also been a saving grace, is that I have a very sharp, witty tongue and I know how to say exactly the right thing to really piss someone off. I don't know if this is a second sibling skill that I've learned because second siblings tend to be smart asses, like they tend to have a little bit more fire. Or if this is a mechanism that I know I did develop as a result of bullying in primary school from those mean boys that I learned very quickly how to shut them down and humiliate them to basically stop what was going on, stop the onslaught of unfairness or unjust behavior that they were sending my way. And it has served me well, but it's like a wildfire. Once it happens, I can't control it. But I can control the steps beforehand, which is free will. I can recognize when the snake sits up in the grass and I need to step cautiously away because I do love these people and I just want us all to get along. 
but I have to work really hard to keep that inner gangster in me under control. It's really tricky sometimes. It's really, really tricky and I wrestle with it often. And that's because parenting brings up so many of our dark shadows and parenting brings up so many of our preset cursor behaviors where the things we witnessed and we just picked up unconsciously that that's the way we deal with something, whether you've had to go into survival mode at some point, whether that be shutdown or deflection or whatever it is. And there's also the element that I really want to create a great human, but is that for my ego or is that for them? When I critique or when I give feedback, and it can be the little things, like at what point as parents do we just shut up and let them figure it out themselves? I know we do it to try and make sure nothing embarrassing happens or again though you can give the same feedback to two different kids and you can get such remarkable responses and that comes to their mindset or their relationship with themselves and all of that develops because I think the hardest thing I'm figuring out with this parenting is that I'm mindful of every step that I take because I am treating people years down the track who were heavily critiqued or often told something wasn't right. So I'm mindful, but then I also want to let you know if you've got a huge goop of toothpaste on your cheek, and I don't mean to make you feel like an idiot, I'm just letting you know, hey, there's a little bit of something, something on your face. I don't think you want to walk out like that. But again, on the wrong day or on the wrong person, that's, oh, you always think there's something wrong with me, or that you always think this, or you always think that. And again, Sometimes I've learned to make a joke of it. Well, if you want to walk around with toothpaste on your face, go for it. I'll walk around with toothpaste on my face too, and we'll both be the toothpaste faces. And I can make a joke, and that gets a laugh. But again, oh, depending on where they're at, that can be a real fragile thing, and that doesn't create the right atmosphere. That doesn't create the right reassurance that you're not picking on them as a person or as an individual. You're just letting them know. It's simply that you've got something on you, and maybe you want to go wash it off. And I'm also really aware that I only ever want to help, but sometimes my help isn't wanted. And it scares me to think that, am I going to be the reason why someone needs help in the future? Because I'm trying to do it right, but I know I don't get it right all the times. And that makes me feel a little sad. We brought these people into the world wanting to give them everything, wanting to help them, wanting to be their sounding board, their confidant. And as you get into those teenage years, you feel them slipping away. I always do like to go back onto old conversations with some of my clients who were older than me when I was in my hairdressing years. And they'd say things like, they come back around. You just got to wait. And it's tricky because some days you see the old them. Some days you see the glimpse of the fun and the connection that you used to have. And other days, you're just like, I don't even recognize you. I'm here for you and I'm happy to talk it through, but am I naive to think that this generation, we probably say this every generation, has got it so much better and so much worse than so many of the other generations? Are we overcommitting our kids to activities they don't want to do? It's this real balance, isn't it? Because we're told that inclusion and sport and having separate adults in their life that they can learn through leadership and and then this friend's doing this and this friend's doing that and I want to do this too. And, and sometimes it's that, oh, I don't want you to miss out on an opportunity. 
it's getting the line really fine, isn't it? The, f- the line is fine on giving them opportunities, but also creating burnout from such a young age. And again, when we have burnout in any age, but in particular with children who don't have the maturity or the strategies of just what's earned through years of life, but we're putting them under adult volume pressure, I just get really concerned and it, it makes me want to pack up my caravan and cancel everything and get them out of school and just hold them and take them on adventures. But that doesn't pay the bills. We've made a big decision this year to take our kids on uh, a bucket list item that we want to do. It's five weeks. We're going overseas on a big adventure to somewhere neither of my husband and I have been. It's not too difficult. It's a, a place that lots of people go to. It's English speaking. It's not difficult in that regard. It's not unsafe. It's just that, you know, I have this romantic notion that everyone's going to get along and we're all going to create these beautiful memories and it's all going to be amazing. But then we have a rough week here and I think, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> They're going to kill each other. Going to add, you know, 20 hour flights into this mix, time zone difference, weather changes, food changes. I pray. <laughs> Am I naive? I pray that we'll come together back as a family unit. And I see it every summer holidays. It takes us, I don't know about you guys, but it takes us about a week to find our groove again. And then it's really good for a good month. And then we have a bad week right at the end where everyone who hasn't been able to maybe connect with their friends for whatever reason, they're just really craving their own developmental age and their own developmental energy. So we've got a bit of an age gap in our house. It's not too much from the eldest to the youngest at seven years. But, you know, the eldest has got the freedom to jump on his bike and go. So he can explore and he can get out of the house. But the little seven-year-old, you can tell by the end of the holidays, he is like climbing the walls. He can't just take off when he wants to. Of course, because he's a third born, he thinks he should be able to, but he is still quite little. And we're still navigating, you know, getting to know other parents at school and who do I feel safe for him going to their house. So, you know, you just arrange to meet it playgrounds or something like that instead while you're kind of navigating all these new friendships and all these new families. Beautiful, lovely people, but it's again, have you noticed that people aren't really going back into school the way they used to? They're not really connecting and socializing the way they used to. A lot of people are back at work full time. So my school experience has changed from my firstborn where a lot of us had firstborns and we were staying at home and raising a second sibling. So we were able to hang around at the school playground for longer and You were able to connect and share those stories of what's going on in your household. Oh, that's going on in my household. So those those kinds of things change as your kids get older and or you begin working a little bit more and you don't really get the space to share in that regard. I'm lucky that I have a fantastic mother's group that every now and again we jump online and someone might have a gripe about something that's going on in their house. And I tell you, it's like clockwork. We're all experiencing the same thing. And so when I have these moments with my kids and right now we're going through one really difficult patch with one of our children and I know this too shall pass. And when I talk to other mums of the same age group, it's happening in their houses. And does that make me feel better? It used to, but now it just makes me feel sad. It's this grief, this grief for what was, this grief of this connection that we used to have and And that we get to have it, but only on her terms, only when her mind is happy, only when she's ready for it. But then the times when I want it or I need it, it's rejection. 
a door slammed in your face, or screamed through a bathroom door. It just sucks. But I'm the grown-up, so I hold the fort. I learn how to practice keeping my own light bright, fulfilling my life with things through the tough patches that bring me joy. I remember when we got a dog about three years ago, and I still had fairly young kids, and all the parents of the 16 and 17 and 18 year olds that I did their hair, they're like, why do you have a dog now? No one gets a dog when the kid's little. The kids are still cute. The kids still love you. You get a dog when you've got teenagers and no one even acknowledges you when you get in the door, but the dog is there for you every day. It's your sign of hope through the challenges. And I remember laughing at that going, ha, 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 that's funny. And now I'm like, I get it. I still have the dog, thankfully, and I, my children always say g'day. It's just the dark moments in between. And thankfully, our dog is such a goofball that She's so hyper aware when things are going down in our house that are really quite ugly and really quite dark. And she's smooching up to everyone like, please, humans, stop fighting. We just want to love each other. Could just live the life of a dog. Wouldn't that be amazing? Especially a golden retriever. They're so special in how much they love and how much they are so silly and goofy. And that's where I'm learning to parent like a golden retriever. How ridiculous is this that I'm saying it out loud? But when I see my kids, I'm like, okay, wag my tail, wag my tail. I'm super happy to see you. No matter what the day is, I want you to know that I am genuinely happy to see you. And sometimes I'm met in open arms and sometimes a backpack is thrown at my feet. I've had the worst day ever. And I'm like, okay, I'm a golden retriever. I'm a golden retriever. Wag my tail, wag my tail. I ask for a pat. And you know, it's a really bad day when the dog is told to go away, leave me alone. And I'm like, oh dear. And it's time to give them space. The tricky part is when you give them space, now they tend to go on a device. And that's a mistake I made, making it too available. So then, of course, sometimes when they get home, I'll have put the devices away and that creates World War II. And it seems to be my catchphrase at the moment is, your adult self will thank me for this. Of course, they don't want to hear that. They don't give two shits. Right now, in this moment, I care and I just want to sit and watch a show and not think or feel for a little while. If only they could understand that if they came for a walk around the block, how much better they would feel shifting that energy off. But we've all been there. And that's what I try to remember myself. Remember these feelings you had? Remember that you just wanted to get under your doona and not come out? Doesn't matter how much you know. Sometimes you've just got to surrender to the pain. And as you get older and you realize you don't have to sit in that pain for so much longer, what a liberation that is. But I had to figure it out the hard way and they will too. It's just a bit heartbreaking to watch in the meantime. So when I witness the snake rear in the grass, instead of walking in for the attack, instead of going in for the fight, I step back, unclench my jaw, bring my shoulders down, take a few breaths. And I do notice that their body mimics mine. Their words might be still getting sprayed at me at a million miles an hour of anger and frustration, which I know is the brain talking and the fight or flight mode is talking in that sympathetic nervous system but the body's starting to respond to love that when I drop my stance when I bring my voice down quiet and slow when I drop my shoulders when I breathe their body always matches mine in the good ways and the not so good ways it takes a lot of personal control and it's taken a lot to get me here And do it again. I tell you, I don't do it right every time, but I'm getting better each time. 
and then I wait for the storm to pass and even the next day I might bring up a conversation and I find they're happy to talk about it the next day when there's been some distance in the feelings, when there's been some distance before you go back to the painful spot. And then I always talk to them as if I'm their age. So at the start, when I first approach, I always go back to talking to them. So it might be I'll go in the next day and go, hey, how shit was that situation yesterday? And they're often quiet. They're just watching me. And I go, I don't know about you, but I felt horrible afterwards. I love you so much and I really don't like when we fight like that. It breaks my heart. And then I say, I'm trying to do it better. But we're a team. We're a family. So both of us have to try. It can't be me all the time. It just can't be. And then it might be things like, you know, sometimes I go into a little talk about energy. You know, we're all energy. And just like multiple energy in one room, we can have riots they build and you see the energy pulsate and pulsate and pulsate and pulsate and manifest and manifest and it can be for good and it can be for bad. So we can see it in riots and we can see it in war and we can even see it in battle. But you can also see it in good, like when a group of people sing together or when a bunch of people are at a concert or dancing together on a dance floor and there's this euphoric sensation, it's energy. And so I'll say to my kids, you know, we are connected not just our blood and our bones and our DNA, but we are energetically connected. All of us are in the whole world. It's why you feel so shitty when a teacher decides to single someone out and kind of embarrass them. All the kids feel like they've been singled out. It's the energy you're feeling from that child that's sliding down into their chair, wishing the world could swallow them up. It's contagious, but it also has the opportunity for softness. It just takes one person to make a change, just one. So ladies and gentlemen, I hope that the next day big emotions come up in your house. You see it for what it is, the snake rising from the grass, and you can choose to step in or step back. I know there are some things worth fighting for and definitely respect or how someone's treating you, you don't have to put up with, but see beyond the words. Have a think about what's going on. Doesn't mean you have to justify it. You can walk away. You can let them know, I I don't want to be a part of this. I'm starting to feel like I'm going to lose control and I don't want to do that to our relationship. So I'm going to step away, but I'm happy to talk to you whenever you're ready. If that's tomorrow or the day after, I'm not going to take it personally because I understand these big feelings and I know how much they can swallow us all up. I love you. Thank you for listening. This has been a very cathartic episode as I go to pick up my kids from school. After we had an argument this morning, I did better. I was better than the last time. It still meant there were some tears and a few swear words, but I didn't do what I normally do, which meant it was over quicker. And I'm hoping when I pick them up from school, it hasn't carried on. But I can't control the day and I can't control the person. I can only love them, support them, and give them space to be who they are. Thank you for listening. I always love our chats. I hope the next day is easier for you. I hope the next time big emotions come up, it's easier for you. Take care. And that's all for today, folks. As always, thank you for letting me your ears and your hearts. I feel so grateful and blessed to be able to share these stories with you and bring us together as a community. This is Gail Wilson, and this is Soul Care Bendigo's podcast, Naked. 
Don't forget to follow and subscribe so that you get notifications on the next episode as it lands. Take care and just be kind to yourself.